You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections, the results. We interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 80 of the Always Moto podcast. This podcast is proudly presented by Liat Moto Australia. I'm your host, David Hogan, as always, in the studio here, and we'll be joined later in the show by the Always Moto contractor, Ben Grinley. And as always, it seems to be the case, he's just waiting to get paid we can't seem to get that check through in the mail it's just an old system it'll get there eventually this is the always moto podcast we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick as always on the show we're going through all things moto but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto this week's show we'll be covering some team news from world supercross as we head into that round two at abu dhabi not this weekend but next we catch up with Australian Supercross rider from the SX2 class. We've got Reese Bud on the line to chat how things went at round one and find out a little bit of interesting information about his program at this point in time uh, and something that he's been dealing with. So check out that later in the show. And we'll go through another question from Br- from Blair. Now, we've been calling this Blair's ball-busting babble, but we've had a request through from Blair. Uh, he's, he wants a name change, so we'll get to that later in the show as well. We'll see what youth guys and girls out there think of that as well. So another good show coming your way. But hey, Moto fans, this episode is brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style. From head to toe, Lee at Moto has you covered with innovative helmets, goggles, body armor, and more. Ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders. Leet Moto Australia has cutting edge technology that pushes boundaries in rider safety. Don't compromise on your safety and comfort. Choose Leet to stay safe, ride fierce and embrace the thrill. Head over to leet.com.au and gear up for your next ride. All right, and bringing the rest of the show to us today as well, we've still got Competitive Edge Performance, and they are asking if you are looking to take your performance to the next level. Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned pro, they've got you covered. They offer in-person sessions and top-notch online programs that are accessible anywhere, anytime through their awesome training app. Competitive Edge Performance believes everyone deserves access to the best training methods and performance methods so you can ride faster and safer and feel damn good doing it. With over 10 years industry experience and plenty more laps themselves personally on the track, their coaches know what it takes to succeed. Join Competitive Edge Performance today. Always Moto podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-E-C-O-A-C-H, all in capital letters. And thanks to Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Now, don't forget, 
help direct the sh- um, help keep the show's lights on and get us to this US trip that we want to try and put together here somehow to get to some more races. Uh, we have our Always Moto t-shirts available. They are $25 plus postage and handling. So show your show support and rock them at your next race. Um, get yourself a t-shirt. Email info at alwaysmoto.com. Put t-shirt order in the subject line and we'll be in touch about payment via PayPal. Now, if you don't want a t-shirt, that's fine. I understand not everybody wears t-shirts these days. They still do, don't don't they? Anyway, um, but if you want to show some support and don't want a T-shirt, that's fine. Send a donation via the Always Moto PayPal account. Now, you can find all of those details, including that PayPal account and the donation options there in the show notes of this show or on the link on our social on our social medias in the bio. Um, so check those out and you'll get some deals. There's some discounts and all that sort of stuff. Enough with the intro talk. Let's jump into the show. Hey guys, Reese Bud here, riding for Circo Yamaha, and you guys are tuning in to the Always Moto podcast. All right, we've got the contractor on the line. We're rolling into this episode 80 of the Always Moto podcast, brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. How are we doing, Benny? How's the hamstring this week? We need an update on your injury status, mate. Uh, it's a lot better than it was last week, that's for sure. It must be all that, uh, you know, those videos that I've sent you on how to look after yourself, mate. I'm a good physio. <laughs> Uh, yes, we're very professional. We got the microphone on and everything. So yes, they're yeah, top quality videos. And um, yeah, I think they're yeah, what what you've told me to do has helped a lot because it's feeling um, yeah, a lot better with just a short week that it happened. Yeah, look, it's all all part of the stage process. Unfortunately, you can you can be good at something, but if you the person you're telling to do it doesn't follow the instructions and rushes it, it still fucks up. So don't don't fuck it up, right? Yeah, got it. (laughs) Now, not much has happened in the world of uh, racing uh, in the last week since we've done the last podcast, but there has been a lot more of those team press release changes, newses, whatever you want to call it, that have come out. Um, So there's a little bit to go through on that side of things, um, which will be interesting. We sort of had that little chat last week about a few of these, Benny, but um, a couple extra ones have been confirmed, mate. Yeah, that's right. We were only talking on, uh, you know, for Wednesday night, uh, Australia time, that the um, the Shimoda contract hadn't been put out yet on the video and uh, wake up the next morning and there it was. So if we'd done the show uh, on Thursday nights like we used to, we might have been fine. You know how much that drives me nuts? And I, I guess this happens to everybody, but it drives me nuts that you're literally sitting here going, yep, don't know nothing about this, can't say nothing because it's not official, right? Like as a, as a media outlet, you're not supposed to say the things that are official unless there's a PR that says so because you can, you're being an idiot basically. And then, yeah, to literally, I think by the time I'd finished... Uh, like it takes me a little bit of time. Once we do the record, we're sort of doing this in the evening, right? And then by the time I put it together, get it loaded up, I go and have a shower and then I come back and check that it's all loaded and then I I do a post about the show. I think it's like midnight, 1am usually, right? That I finally finish this shit. And right, I think it must have been when I checked, when I went to bed, got up in in the gym the next morning, fair income, it was like two hours later and I'm like, get you know we we missed by like a couple of hours on being able to say that one it was really frustrating but yes joshi motor has confirmed he's with hrc honda for next year it's amazing it is amazing um and yeah like i said i i, I figured that they were going to be doing a video um because you know it's just what what they do but they definitely didn't top the uh the rider d gas gas video so we did chat about that and they definitely didn't get anywhere near uh topping that 
No, I don't know how they did that. Like they've they've won the off season in the first day, basically with the gas gas boys. So yeah, well done on that one again. Um, but yeah, the videos the video is still good. It, you know, it's a bit of content. It's awesome. It's much better than the uh, press release that or lack of video that comes out for Star Racing when they do a press release because they've got one out today, mate. It's Enzo Lopes has been confirmed. Another one we sort of were speculating on last week. It's confirmed he's with Star for 250 for one-year deal for next year, Supercross only. But their uh, press releases leave a bit to be desired in terms of the um, visual aspect. There's just a, just a headshot against a blank wall and a team shirt. That's it. Yeah, I think I've seen some probably better selfies from you promoting your Always Moto t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug, <laughs> rather than uh, Yes, rather than their, uh, yeah, their pictures that they put up. Um, but, hey, it, you know, it is what it is. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on this one-year Supercross-only contract? To me, I reckon it's a bit, it's a bit risky, but, Ooh. yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. It's real risky. Like, it... You gotta. I can't remember who says this, where it comes from, but one of my mates uses it all the time. So you got to risk it to get the biscuit. Um, but in Supercross, that can go real badly real quick. Like you know, they do so many laps in the preseason. He could eat it in any one of those laps and not see any track time at all for Star, and then never actually race that bike. He could race all the rounds and. Somebody else gets injured and he ends up getting asked to fill in for motocross if things go really, really well. But the risk of them, just their history of how things go with their contracts and if they're not performing to what they expect, which is fairly high expectations for anyone, that contract might be the end of that. And then where does he go then after that? Like... I don't think he's going back to Club MX anytime soon. I think that one might have a bit of a sore point from from the discussions uh, that have gone on in the background. Yeah, I think it's really risky. Um, we know how ruthless Star are and have been uh, with a few other people. And like you said, he, you know, you do your preseason, you have a crash, bang, that's it. You don't even get to do your year. What? How do they then go? Oh, well, here have another contract you know it's yeah to me um yeah i don't know i i know it's star i know it's a top bike um you know but he was doing pretty well on that club bike as well even in world supercross so uh and then yeah without a team to possibly fall back on um yeah that's for me i know where the thought is but it's yeah like you said you got to risk it for the biscuit but um not sure I'm there. It's yeah, like I'm not sure I'd do it either. Everyone's situation's different. Maybe just the fact that he saw what he could do on it, and it's just a dream for him to be on a team like that. Who knows? But the um, there was an interesting point. I was just scrolling Twitter before we recorded, and a random, not someone even in the media, but a random said something that was actually caught my eye and was a bit interesting about this. And one, obviously, the, his Yamaha team, you know, Club MX's Yamaha team, Star Racing's Yamaha team. But the 250F, which um, I might actually get to ride here shortly, they've got a Yamaha release um, coming up in a week or so. Uh, actually, next week, sorry, uh, at Gympie for the Australian side of things. Um, there's actually meant to be a whole new 250F this year. So this this guy on Twitter made the point that 
would you rather be on Club MX or the factory Yamaha team when you're trying to implement changes to a new model bike, as in, you know, updated potentially chassis, motors, you know, just componentries, different geometries of things? Would you rather be on Club MX as a supported team or the factory team as in Star Racing? I think that might have made my decision pretty easy too, actually. Yeah, well, I suppose he's not wrong um, when you put it that way. That's, yeah, it's uh, not a bad thought. Um, but, you know, they, even with all that support, he, you know, the rider might still struggle, not just him, like some of the other star riders, you know, they might struggle, whereas, you know, you, you just never know. So uh, it is a good point, but we're just going to have to, yeah, wait and see how it turns out. Yeah, look, I guess the, 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 um, crowning moment will be the end of the season, Supercross season if he's standing there with a new contract for Star Racing or if he's standing there holding his you-know-what in his hand looking for a ride. Because <laughs> that's where it's going to end up, basically. It's one of those two options. I don't think there's anything in the middle. So have to wait and see. We'll, we'll know more May 2024, I think it is. So, yeah. But on that, so Enzo obviously going to Star, like we've said, it leaves a hole. You sort of mentioned it there for World Supercross. Um, the Club MX boys obviously had him on the 250 in World Supercross in that SX2 class. They don't have him there. Um, so it's left a bit of a gap. Now, I've done a little bit of digging. I've reached out to a couple of people. I've reached out to Mike B, who's the media manager there for Club MX, and he's confirmed it, uh, which is awesome. And they're actually going to have Cole Thompson um, take that vacant spot for the remaining two rounds of the World Supercross Series, which is awesome because Cole was actually meant to ride the... I think he was going to ride the 450. I'd have to double-check that one. I should have double-checked that before we recorded this, actually. But I think he was riding the 450 for all three rounds. But then he got a back injury leading into the opening round there in uh, that British GP, and that led to Josh Cartwright filling in at Club MX. But... Yeah, so he, he missed out on the opener, but he's managed to get back in and get on that other ride because Lopes has now changed teams. So that's pretty good news for Cole Thompson. Yeah, it is pretty good. And, you know, like we said a few uh, a few pods ago, you know, there's going to be a lot of chop and change in with teams and um, in the World Supercross. So that, you know, that gives us another name as to who's filling in. But um, there's, there's a lot of people that we still, you know, still not sure about. Yeah, well, one the one big one is the one that we sort of I sort of hinted at a while back, which was a bit of a speculation for me, and nothing has really come of it yet. And I've reached out to CDR Yamaha about this seat in particular because obviously Grant Harlan got injured now a few weeks ago at that Motocross of Nations. Everyone's seen it hopefully by now that crash that was going around uh, where he ejects off the bike. He's out for a, a reasonable amount of time. Grant is unfortunately. Um, hopefully he's getting well you know, reasonably well over there. Uh, but, yeah, that seat is vacant. And so I was speculating that maybe someone like Cooper Webb, who had expressed an interest in doing the series but wasn't able to with the KDM deal, but now that he's over at Star Yamaha, that would line up quite nicely. And the other part of this that would work out too is that he's doing Paris Supercross, which basically fits in between the Round 2 and Round 3 being Abu Dhabi and Melbourne for World Supercross. So... And, you know, people like Ken Roxon, Justin Brayton are doing all of those three rounds as well. So it's not too much of a stretch to think that he could be just, you know, transporting some 
Supercross suspension uh, with him and going around, but nothing is confirmed on that. Again, it's purely speculation. But the other one that we sort of just spitballed about potential filling in for CDR is someone who's just recently signed for them, Benny. You, you know, we were talking another one that we missed last week by half a day on an announcement was the CDR uh, announcement for the 2024 OzPro motocross riders, and they've signed Dean Ferris and Jed Beaton to um, the, that team. Now, Dean Ferris is obviously going to be only doing the um, motocross portion for CDR, but Jed Beaton's down for motocross and supercross in 2024. But we noticed, or sorry, you noticed and brought it to my attention, that Jed has already got a CDR Yamaha, or at least was inspecting one today on the CDR Instagram page. Yeah, I just had a quick look, um, you know, scrolling through just to see what was going on. And, yeah, he was, uh, you know, looking at the new bike. So, uh, as you said, we were talking just before we started recording and, you know, it could be a possibility that he might fill in for um, Harlan. But, you know, that's us speculating again. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, he, he won't have a lot of time. I think there's only 10 days till uh, Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. You'd have to be curious how many laps Jed Beaton's done on a Supercross track since the last time he did a lap on the Supercross track because I would assume it's been a while, like probably since we left, you know, Australia to go do those European years. I wouldn't think he's done any since then. So that's what, four years, three years, something like that? I can't remember exactly how long he's been in Europe. But, yeah, it'd be interesting if he did risk it for a couple of days of Supercross testing um, and then went and did it. But stranger things have happened. Um, we'll have to wait and see. We are literally waiting on an announcement. I've, I've reached out to the CDR team. Um, they haven't got back to me as yet. Hopefully we'll see something. We'll definitely see something before um, the, the round next week. But whether we'll get it in time for next week's podcast or not, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, interesting to see who gets that spot because that is probably the most interesting one to talk about, especially if it ends up being someone like Cooper Webb because that would be pretty cool for the World Supercross Series. It would make that front of the racing very, very interesting between him you know, and Ken Roxon and Brayton and Josh and Justin Hills and, you know... Um, I always cringed when I want to try and put Vince Freeze into that mix, but he is running at the front of that field, so he is part of that conversation as well. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, yeah, I think the whole thing's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. There's been a long gap um, in between the last race, and um, like we said, there's been a lot of, you know, swapping around. So uh, with, you know, all them in there, Cooper would be, like you said, brilliant um, one, you know, for the fans but you know, and for the series. Um, but, yeah, we'll just – we'll see how it all comes together in 10 days' time. Yeah, exactly. Now, just touching back onto that CDR announcement for the Australian side of things uh, with Dean Ferris joining in, it's, a, it's an interesting thing that they have basically confirmed then with that announcement that they're splitting from the long-time riders of Aaron Tanti and Luke Clout. Now, there's some rumours around Tanti potentially going to an American team, which, again, hasn't been announced as yet. Um, but there's no real talk about Luke Cloud at this stage. Again, a couple of little rumours, but nothing really confirmed. We probably won't know that one until much, much later. Um, and he might even do something himself for, you know, the f West Coast side of things for the AMA Supercross just to get a couple of rounds in there at the beginning of the year. We don't know. 
but yeah, just interesting that they've had a big shift in that team because they've been with Tanny and Clout now, well, Clout for quite some time, um, Tanny for at least two years now, three years now. So it's been a while that they've had a pretty stable team there at CDR and they've made some you know, decent changes in terms of personnel. Um, just yeah, It's just interesting. Um, and the other part that I find interesting is that it seems like Ferris has retired twice, three times, whatever it is now. Um, <laughs> but he's back on another you know, factory team in Australia. Yeah, it's a weird... Um, it's weird, you know, they... With Dean Ferris, he's only going to be doing the, you know, the Ospro MX next year. So then that leaves a spare seat come Oz Supercross time, uh, whereas Beaton's going to do both. Um, but yeah, with the, the rumours with, you know, Tantin, who, uh, where they're going, uh, we don't know, you know, whose decision was what. Uh, so that makes it a little bit hard. But uh, I watched the uh, bench races episode the other day and uh, Moss was saying that you know, Empire Kawasaki has signed a a former champion. So, um, you know, and the rumours are with that that Clout was going there. So um, that could be, you know, a little bit of confirmation. It could not be. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait for that one to come out, which, you know, it's probably tomorrow uh, after we record tonight. That's likely. Uh, what happens. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's just how it works. But, uh, yeah, I seem to recall, yeah, Ferris putting posts up saying he was, you know, done a few times now and it just, he won't go away. So, <laughs> I mean, good on him uh, for getting back on, you know, back on the factory team. But, yeah, <clears throat> to... Uh, to only do the Pro MX for him, I'm interested to see who they put back on the uh, on the bike for Supercross. You'd have to think that um, if Josh Hill is going around again, he would be the one that you know fills in an extra spot there because they seem to have always found a third seat for him at Supercross time at CDR. So he's a potential, but there might be, you know, maybe there's a like if Tanty is doing an American thing. If it doesn't go as expected, maybe he fills in at Supercross time or comes back as a Supercross deal just for CDR. Who knows? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, it, it's probably not going to be something that gets announced straight away. It might be one of those things that just comes out a few weeks before the Australian Supercross kicks off, which obviously won't be until that October-ish sort of point. So we probably won't see anything until late September, October. So we'll have to see... How all that plays out, it'll probably just happen on a, on a Thursday morning, like I said, straight after we've recorded Wednesday night. So, yeah, how, that's how it's going to go. Now, let's, um, let's jump across. Now, Benny, the, you're the contractor. Blair has come in as we, we, we've been calling him Blair's ball-breaking babble. Now, Blair's had a request. He wants to change up the name. Um, he's, he's had two options, but he wants to go with the hammer. I'm, I'm not sure on that one. We might have to put a vote out on, on socials or something. But he, he, he even gave us a little a little spiel to lead into the, 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 the I was going to say the babble, but the segment. Um, it, he's gone with, he's, he's asking the nitty gritty, he's putting the hammer down and he's got some loose questions and takes. It sounds all right. What do you reckon? Well, he said the contract and the hammer, and the contractor and the hammer, sorry. Uh, um. But when the contractor disappears and I become something else, it's just going to be the hammer. <laughs> so it doesn't. And what it, do you it, think it doesn't come in this in this. Well, in this scenario I don't know. here, like, have you played this out in your mind already? Have you? 
and well you're the you know you're the creator um so <laughs> I, i'm just waiting for you to take that title but we'll, we'll get this we'll uh, get this right because my kids were saying something this afternoon it was quite funny um we we're out you know doing some enduro cross testing this afternoon on the, on the sherco and um the kids were there the wife wasn't there but obviously with all these videos i've been making for them with the lee at moto gear my daughter was going oh are you the king of always moto i'm like well I guess you could say that, like, I created it, but she's there going, you're the king and I'm the princess. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, she's eight. Like, she, <laughs> she doesn't, doesn't really get it, but she's calling me the king of Always Moto. So let's get it right, mate. It's, I'm the king of Always Moto. <laughs> uh, yes, no, sorry, not the creator, the king. Bow down. The king. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. So, uh, I mean, it's different. The, the Blair's ball-breaking babble is not going to disappear. So even if he doesn't like it, <laughs> it's not going anywhere because <laughs> I, like, I, I like it too much. Oh, right um, but I guess if he wants to be called the hammer, then I don't know. We can, yeah, maybe put a vote on it or, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's maybe, maybe it's we up can to you, really. It, maybe we can change it each week. I don't know. Maybe we should just call him the hammer this week. Maybe we saw something else the following week. And until something really sticks, because so far, the obviously, we came up with a babble on the spot, right? Like, it was, it was just a play on the B, you know, for his for Blair. But I don't know. We'll get to it. But we'll call him the hammer this week. So the hammer's got a question for us. You ready for it, contractor? I'm ready. All right. Let's hit play. How good is it to see three manufacturers coming into the fray? Obviously, you have um, Beta, who have been around a long time, but they're in MXGP for the last couple of years. Now you have Triumph, two 250 teams, one in the US, one in MXGP. Massive news today of Tony Caroli being a high-performance test rider for Ducati, leaving his team manager role for KDM. I'm so excited. I just want to know what you guys think. I think it's unreal. An Italian, an Italian brand. The Italian brand's been smoking everyone in MotoGP. I just can't wait to see it. What do you guys think? It's a good question from Blair. Oh, sorry, from the Hammer. It's, um, yeah, it's not a big, uh, it's not a bad question. And, uh, yeah, he is right. It was pretty, pretty big news uh, that dropped about the uh the the ducati coming so i gotta um, say what's with the marketing guys at these places and the lack of information and detail of a picture of a bike and everything being in black like come on guys we know it's a ducati we know it's going to be red at least have a red bike on the track <laughs> don't black it all out fuck well they're everything um you know their motor gp bikes are red uh, i think there was super bikes are red you know they could have just yeah gone with uh you know full red plastics but the the red gives too much away so you know that tiny little glimpse that we got to see in that video um with the red plastics would have just given it away hey, just on that on a, a complete side note because we're going to get to um the hammers question here in a sec but um we're going to have gas gas red honda red and Ducati Red. How the hell is, um, you know, lucky we don't have uh, um, Ralph doing the AMA commentary anymore because it'd be the, the red the red Ducati and the, <laughs> the red Gas Gas and the red Honda. Who the fuck would know what he's talking about? Oh, Honda might have to go back to, what was it, the, in the 90s where they had the pinkish pl plastics. They might have to switch it up now so they can <laughs> they can be seen yeah. and know that it's not um, not a gas gas or a, yeah, <laughs> gas, gas or a Ducati. But, um, 
you know, I mean, it's, it is good, um, you know, to, or do we want to go into the question yet or you still want to talk about colours? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get, let's dive into it. Look, the, the fact that there's manufacturers coming in one is awesome. The fact that they're existing manufacturers, right? Like, so talk, um, talk Triumph, talk, talk Ducati, they are massive existing manufacturers in the off, like in the road side of things that are just going to come into it. So they've got existing, you know, tech and personnel and factories and all that. So they're not starting from scratch. So it's not some, you know, beat up of, of like, it's not a Cannondale from back in the day, right? It's not going to be just the bloody push bike manufacturer deciding to make a motor in something. It's actually a motorbike brand, which is fantastic. And same with Beta. Beta is in trials market. So again, not, not the same scale, but similar idea they've already got a motorcycle right they're just repurposing it in like a designs and stuff and the people into the off-road scene so it's awesome i think that side of things is fantastic i think that it means that they're going to actually be there and be there properly um the pit that's interesting for me and and blair the hammer touched on it the Cairoli switch the italian on italian that is a that is a massive thing one, Cairoli would have loved it because it's probably going to make it easy for him to live in his Sicily and, um, you know, go and test ride and have the factory nearby and not have to fly over to Austria and whatnot. So that's a big plus for him. But two, do you remember when Rossi went to Ducati in MotoGP a few years back? The Italians went nuts for it. It's going to be insane. Well, I was going to say they had Andre Davizioso on the... Ducati, they've got uh, Pekka Bagnaia on the Ducati, and the crowd just goes crazy. Yeah, and then you know you had Rossi on the Ducati as well. So yeah, an Italian rider being on an Italian bike, um, the Italians just go nuts for it. Well, and they've signed Lupino um, as the the racing rider, like as the racer for for Ducati as well. That was part of the one of the announcements, like part of the announcements as well. So. They've got Caroli as the test rider, Lupino as the racer slash test rider. Um, and you're probably going to see both of them at an Italian, you know, um, national, motocross national next year. It's going to be nuts, particularly when they finally get to the MXGP level, which will possibly be the year after, I would think. Um, you know, and they have an Italian GP. Holy smoke. You know, it's going to be nuts. Yeah, it will be. Um, and, you know, just, you know, d- depending on who gets those rides over here uh, or not over here, but in America, um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they adapt to it and how, you know, like you've got Chase that's got to fly to Austria for, um, you know, KDM and have a look around there and do whatever. So, you know, is it going to be the same Um who knows? There'll be a lot of you know factors, but with all that, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like history, or not history, but I can't think of the word. Um, all the experience that Kyrolli has, I think that's going to be a you know a big factor in getting that bike to where it needs to be. Yeah, I wouldn't think he'd he, he, you know he can test ride. That's for sure. You know, he's obviously a very good rider knows what he needs to be able to do to get a bike to, to work. He managed to make a 350 beat 450. So, you know, that 
that's something he's he's got a good skill set there to build up this bike. I dare say this thing's going to be pretty high class. Like you look at Ducati road bikes, they're not short of um, you know prestige. Like they are the top notch, highly sought after machine. So I wouldn't expect anything less from their dirt bikes. You know, and I think they're going to be very impressive straight off the off the off the floor. Whether you know, I don't think we will see them in Australia for a little while, but it's going to be pretty cool to see them finally on track and racing. And I just want to actually get this marketing guy and strangle him and make sure it's in red next time. Yeah, and the do we think that the sponsors sort of just carry over from the MotoGP teams, or do they find try to find? You know, um, I don't know. I guess American sponsors to put on the bike, or it'll be different. You know, one, did you see the announcement uh, for the team that is taking them for the MXGP slash Italian stuff for next year? It, they're on a multi-year deal, but did you see what team they were previously? They were a Fantic team. And you probably never even heard of Fantic, have you? No, can't say I have. <laughs> Fantic <laughs> is actually the like they're just a bit of a. You call them a side project almost for Yamaha, right? But they're they're they've just bought some of the older um, designs and they're sort of repurposing them. And you know, Fantic is a brand uh, of cycles, motorcycles that actually Aussie Daniel Milner rode last year in the Enduro GPs. Uh, he rode Fantic brand, um, probably to his disliking, but he did it. Um, but yeah, so they they were a Fantic team, right? So they're now going to be a Ducati team, but they would have their own existing sponsors that they would probably be looking to. But they're not going to be. So it's not just branded under the was it Ducati Corsa or say however you say it um, from MotoGP. They're going to be a, you know it's a separate um, MXGP team. Yeah, so they will. Um, yeah, they'll have their sponsors, like you said. Yeah, be separated, and yeah, I think that's a good thing that they're not just. You know, they're not just going to be Ducati Corsa all the way around. Um, they're going to be their own entity, which is which is awesome. So, yeah, look, the, in short, it's it means more riders, more, more you know, t- industry jobs, more bikes to choose from on the floor when you walk in with your money to buy one, um, you know, more, more bikes to cheer for if you're, you know, you're not interested in the Japanese bikes. You've now got multiple different brands that you can pick from as a fan point of view. Um and again, you're going to be able to have like, think of someone like an an FMF, uh, uh, you know, a a pro circuit. All the exhaust companies they've now got another brand to build for and then sell product for. So it's expanding across all of the industry uh, because of these 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 new brands coming into these series. It's it's a fantastic thing for the sport, considering the fact that everybody thinks the sport's dying. Um, it's really not, but it just shows that this could potentially keep boosting things in the right direction, which is an awesome thing for, for moto in general. It is. I mean, it helps, you know, it helps all the the companies out. It helps, you know, you've got a different bike to choose from instead of just the main, you know, the ones that we've had um, all this time. And it's, you know, getting maybe more interest. Um, you know, there might be a whole new, crop of you know italian fans that don't really watch and they might go oh well we've got a bike in there now let's you know let's have a look and see what it's all about yeah it could be 
Um, so yeah, it might bring you know it might bring more fans. It yeah, it's um, I can't see it being a bad thing. No, and one last thing on this one before we sort of you know end this this topic part. Do you think think back right like when when two strokes were all the rage and they brought Yamaha brought out the four fifth or the four hundred back then. Um, and then all of a sudden Honda built one and then, you know, it was a race to get Suzuki and Cowie on them. And then that, like, KDM's had them already, so they just brought them in, you know, they brought in 540s to race them and whatnot. But everything went that direction in terms of, you know, the technology, right? The the racing all went to 454 strokes. I find it interesting at this point in time, we've got Beta, Triumph, Ducati coming into the sport to race at the top level. But the current technology and trend is that Starkbarg electric bike, right? Everyone, there's plenty of manufacturers turning up in electric space. But these new guys are going to build combustion engines. So does that tell you something? Does that tell you that as much as everyone thinks that this electric thing is going to overtake the world and change the sport much like the four-stroke did to the two-stroke, it doesn't seem like that's happening at the rate as what four-stroke did back then. I don't know. Is it just me? That's just my thoughts on it. I, was, I sort of thought that that was a bit interesting in terms of that they're coming in to build a combustion engine 450. I think that everyone, you know, there is a lot of electric bikes popping up now um, after the Stark. Um, and, you know, they had the Alta before that. But the problem is that, these, you know, the series don't want to let Stark race because they think that it's going to be well, they're, they're, too they're powerful sh- or, yeah, or yeah. it can't, they can't make it equal. Mm. Um, and so, you know, these teams are like, well, you know, we're not going to, until maybe they get accepted, they're probably like, well, we're just going to keep going with what is, you know, what the norm is and that's the 450 you know, building how they are. Um, and then later on, if it finally gets passed or they work out a way to make sure that it's even, um, you know, then they might all start going that direction. Yeah, like there's obviously a lot of these ones popping up more so than ever before. Like obviously we had the altar for a little while there, but with Stark, with Flux, um, I saw that CF Moto now has one. Um Honda's debuting one shortly in the Japanese series. There is a lot of electric bikes. I just thought it was super interesting that Ducati and Triumph and Beta are just going. We're building the 450. You know, like it just, just a just a v- their view of obviously where things are up to. Maybe they build electric ones down the track too. Everyone might do it. Maybe there's just a separate class that they run. They might end up running three classes at these things. Who knows? Because they, like you said, they can't decide on how to manage it so it's not a, too big of an advantage, like what happened when the 450 came in and ev- or the four-stroke came in and everybody switched and it was just more powerful everywhere. Um, yeah, just interesting to see how it all plays out. But look, the Hammers question has been pretty good tonight. Um, he's going to have a lot to live up to next week, mate. Yeah, well, one more thing on the question. I'm not sure if it was him in the group chat today. It might not have been, it might have been someone else. But I did see a comment about the more factory rides coming in that the less privateers oh, yeah. there will I be in the in these races. Um, 
you know, you've only got to look at this year and there was top 450 guys that were running as privateers. So I guess, you know, like there was a few of them. So then, you know, if those sort of people um, get, you know, these rides or whatnot, they're still going to be in there. And I think there's still going to be the same amount of, of privateers as there already is. Um, you know, there just might be a chance for maybe a few of them to end up on one of these teams and, you know, maybe get away from the privateer life. But I don't really think it's going to make that much of a difference. No, but like I think their thought process in that comment in the group chat when we're talking about the Always Moto group chat, which you can join at any point, just send us a DM, we can get you in there. Um, but I think that point was like that they're going to, because they're a factory rider, that they're going to automatically you know, be faster than the privateer and get in. That's probably not the case with some of these teams that are going to be, you know, the beaters, the triumphs and the Ducatis, at least initially, they're going to not get the top, top rider. They're going to get that 10th place back sort of rider signing on for them. So then they're still going to be at risk of not making the main event because the privateer guy is going to be well established with his program and comfy on his bike and still potentially make it. So, I don't see a day where we don't have a privateer in a main event, at least not for the sh- near future. But, you know, we're always going to have injuries that are going to drop some of those factory guys out. We're going to have the privateers, you know, have good seasons like this year where we had lots of injuries. It's, yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think they're all going to find a way to get in. And like you just said, Benny, those guys that are privateers might actually take the opportunity to be on a Ducati or something because they're going to get a decent wage, which is something that they haven't been able to get with the second-tier teams that were on offer so far. So I think it'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, I think the uh, the next, you know, two, three years are going to be, um, you know, probably some of the most um, exciting, I guess, with these new teams coming in and there'll be plenty to talk about. And... Um, yeah, it'll just you know when they all come in, it'll be a very yeah you know, very different scene, I guess, and make it more interesting. Yeah, definitely will. Um, so no, look, awesome, awesome things to talk about here tonight, and um, like I said, the hammer's done really nicely on this one. So you got a bit to a uh, bit to work on next week, Blair. Uh, make sure you got to bring bring in something worthwhile. <laughs> all right. <laughs> any, any, I, I've I've got a question for you. Yep. Oh, right, go for it. Yeah, go on. Come on. So. Last year, obviously, Kenny left Honda and we played the guessing game, I guess, right until the last minute before, what was it, World Supercross started, I guess. No, because he, he was on the Honda. So before the season started for A1. Yep. Do we miss that this year or are we glad that that didn't happen again? With I was Kenny. thinking about it and talk. Yeah, no, not just with Kenny, but just you know, I guess with anyone, any of the riders. Um, I was talking about it with a mate, and he said, um, you know, I was updating him every day last year because he he loves Kenny. He's like, what's what's he on? What's he on? I said, there's nothing yet. He's tried this bike. He's tried that yeah. bike. You know, um, it was keeping. You know, social media was alive, and everyone was you know, gossiping and everyone was loving it. And then this year it's just been, I guess, new bikes, not, you know, riders going to a team. So, you know, what, what's more interesting, that or the, the new bikes coming out? 
I think this year it's the new bikes, to be honest. Like, I think that's taken, like you said, it's taken the centrepiece of the off-season, apart from Troy Lee's Gas Gas's video. Um, but, yeah, like, obviously that was interesting last year with Kenny, but it's it was all a lot of a, you know, a fair bit of a beat-up, you know, in, in, in a lot of it because, you know, he didn't end up riding that Cowie that Pro Circuit put together. And, um, yeah, like, it's interesting, but... I don't miss it. I think I'd rather just hear the announcements, but you still potentially have that sort of thing coming from Ferrandis just yet. Like there's still nothing on Ferrandis at this stage. So there is potential for that to, to turn into something just yet. He's that he might be the last one announced as well. So yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying the new bike announcements this year, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. All right. Anything else, Benny? Are we going to leave it there? We'll take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. All right, guys and girls, we'll be back after this. It's the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Leap Moto Australia. It's episode 80. Back shortly. Hey, this is Cole Thompson, and you're listening to Always Moto. All right, guys and girls, joining us this week on the Always Moto podcast brought to you by Leap Moto Australia. He's riding for Circo Yamaha in the SX2 class. He's on board the number 22. It's Reese Bud. How are we doing, Reese? I'm very well, mate. Thank you uh, very much for having me. Excited to be a part of the show and um, hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's always nice to get some different voices on here. Um, this is the first time for you joining us and obviously just wanted to check in about how the Australian Supercross thing is going. One, fun for you, but you know, thoughts on the series in general and all that sort of stuff. And just nice to talk to some different people at times. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, obviously, we uh, we had a really good uh, preseason coming into it. The riding was going really awesome. Um, yeah, like the the days at the practice track were really good and all that stuff. And um, was feeling really good leading the round one. And um, honestly, the vibes were really good. Um, the team environment was awesome all weekend and stuff like that. And and um, you know, when when it's like that, the riding really shows. And and uh, I proved it at the start of the day. I was um, one of the fastest in free practice. And uh, for the first time. All season this year, I was uh, P1 in qualifying, which was really cool. And now, unfortunately, um, racing side of things didn't go my way. Uh, the, the Adelaide Entertainment Centre was uh, really, really small and, and made it for a tight track. And, um, yeah, obviously, the times were really close between everyone and all that stuff. So, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't execute the racing side of things. And, um, yeah, I don't really want to touch base on too much of that because, obviously, it was uh, <laughs> so pretty, pretty disappointing. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, um, you know, I, I didn't let it get down to me too much, you know, for – for the rest of the night and the next day, I was uh, I was pretty disappointed, but I kind of just let that um, you know add a bit more motivation to myself going into the next few weeks leading into Newcastle and all that stuff. So I knew my riding side of things was really good, and I was very happy with all that. The bike is working good, um, so there wasn't a lot that I needed to change uh, leading into the next round here because I know what I am doing is really good and and uh, we've got a really good group of people we train with with uh, four dale up here in the sunny coast so um yeah haven't changed much just putting in the work and um I, i'm i'm looking forward to getting into a proper supercross track because um yeah i feel confident on the riding side of things so um just just keep grinding out for the next couple of weeks and uh, looking forward to round two yeah it had to be obviously one a little bit disappointing but there was a, probably a point in that day where you're probably on top of the world because like getting that qualifying you know top qualifying spot must have felt nice the the work that you put in and the preparation actually paying off at that point and then you obviously 
sort of fizzled out, unfortunately, which is, look, that's racing sometimes. And obviously that venue probably wasn't the best in terms of how the format changes and all that sort of went in terms of ability to make time on a track that was so small. But yeah, at some point you were having probably a really great day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. As I said, the the start of the day was was absolutely awesome. Felt really good on the bike, and you know, I guess it's it's qualifying and stuff like that, so you don't have to worry about anyone trying to t-bone you in in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of open the track up and ride the lines and stuff like that. And as I said, I felt really comfy, and I just felt like really aggressive, and I was able to to attack the track for the whole 22 seconds of it. But um, yeah, obviously, like I said, the, the racing side of things was, was tough, and you know, only having Ted. 10 gates at a time but uh, it's not ideal to start round one but is what it is it was the same for everyone else on, on track so um yeah i can't complain too much but um yeah the, the work's still being done for round two and really looking forward to just redeeming myself that's for sure yeah definitely and obviously the the format's a little different coming into newcastle with it's triple crown i believe for for newcastle so that should be a bit of a change as well yes yes correct yep so three three races we get three chances of doing it so um, I'm looking forward to it. I had a really good time last year. Um, I got my first Supercross podium and and Moto win in the same stadium. So, um, yeah, the vibes are going to be really good leading into that one. Um, hopefully we get similar dirt because I um, really enjoyed that. So, yeah, as I said, I'm looking forward to heading back to that stadium where um, I had one of my most successful um, moments in my career. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's nice to have something like that from the history that you can sort of draw on to, to spike the energy levels heading into a round like that. So, yeah, that'd be, that's good to have that sort of back history there with the good results. But talking about the, the formats and stuff, like obviously the, the format, I think... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I haven't actually been able to reconfirm this. I thought that that 10 moto, like 10 gate start thing was going to be something that the Australian Supercross did across it. But was it just because of the Adelaide... Um, track size as such they did that like Newcastle are we back to 20 20 22 gates whatever they're going to run there or are we doing 10 yeah yeah no we certainly should be at 20 yeah Yeah, it's because uh, Adelaide was so compacted like yeah there was no chance of fitting in 20 gates across Mm. across the track so um unfortunately yeah being so small that's that's why they had to do it um they did that uh 2019 Brisbane Entertainment Center only had uh 10 gates I think as well so just because they are so tight they are very limited and you can imagine having 20 riders out on that track oh, it, nice. it would be uh, yeah that's big chaos yep. yeah yeah no, definitely so it um, is, like in terms of like obviously if you all going at it you know you're pretty tight as it is but then throw in lappers that would be catching in that as well that would be horrible so yeah I'm glad they did the 10 I didn't mind yeah. that format for that venue obviously the venue itself yep. I'd rather not go to in terms of attracting yeah. that size and 22 yep. seconds a lap is not what I call a super cross and I think as a Definitely. spectator thing that we're putting out there to like obviously now we're able to watch this pretty much anywhere in the world which was awesome from that aspect yep. trying to grow the yep. sport but then putting that out there as the visual of Australian Supercross, I didn't think that was a great idea and you might think similarly but, but um, yeah I just I wish we didn't do that like the format fits it but I think I'll be much happier when we see Newcastle on on the coverage, you know? Uh, I think I think everyone is going to be more excited to see Newcastle. It's, um, yeah, it's just not ideal to have, you know, let alone round one, but just a Supercross there. Yeah, like you said, it's not 
really super cross, you know, there's, there was two jumps and a bit of a rhythm and a couple of whoops and stuff like that, you know, like it was uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. That's for sure. So yeah, definitely looking forward to getting to a full spec in a, in a few weeks time. And um, it's going to be great for, for the fans and everyone watching on TV and all that stuff. So it's definitely going to be a really good environment and then back to 20 gauge. So we're going to have a full grid. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be really good. Now, track-wise on that too, just with that track being so much smaller, I, I assume that you're basically sticking this thing in second gear and that's where it stays. Does that is that what happened in Adelaide and is that what you then normally would do? Like I'm assuming at Newcastle you're going to get up a couple more, um, you know, with a with a longer straight that you might be able to go down, depending on how they lay this out. I haven't actually seen the track map, but was that a normal sort of bike setup for Adelaide and, and you know, gearing that you're running and all that or did you have to really tweak it because it's so short and sharp? Yeah, we, we, we could have changed the gearing a little bit for sure. You know, like I was pretty well second majority of the way, third in the loops. Um, and then the little tight turn after the finish line inside, yeah. I was actually I was actually shifting down the first gear because um, my bike was just lugging in second to get over the little roller to double out, you know. So I was actually shifting first to, um, to get a bit of punch out of the turn. So, yeah, it's super, super tight. And, yeah, when we come to the bigger track, obviously we're going to use more second or third and then obviously fourth in the loops and stuff like that. So there's going to be more high speed and, and uh, more get gear changing going on. So it's, um, it's what we've been training for and stuff like that. So it's, it's more second nature and really looking forward to just getting to a full spec track. You raised an interesting point there. I was actually watching some of the highlights back the other day from, from Adelaide and thinking about the whoops and like looking at it going, I don't think you could get to the point where you could use your fourth gear like you would want to for the whoop section there. I gather you were still stuck because the corner leading in didn't really give you the chance to yep. you know, shift up and then be in that position where the bike would actually lug through. Um, it probably wouldn't have climbed up on top of them at that point, at that such low yep. entry speed. Pretty, pretty much, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if many people did. I, like, obviously, I don't really know, but I can't imagine too many people shifting uh, fourth and, and, and they weren't skim skim loops anyway so I think people mm. were just jumping through them and, and whatnot so there's no need to, to shift it up the fourth to stay across them you know so uh, I'd imagine some people probably were still hitting him in second gear you know like that it was tight enough to do that so yeah it's wild but I'm um, looking forward to, to hitting some loops because uh, I feel like I've been working on that through the preseason and still now and I uh, feel really strong in the whoops. So, um, yeah, I'm keen to, to get to a set where we can, you know, shift up the fourth and, and hit them pretty hard. Yeah, that'd be, I think that will just make everybody feel a bit more at home to the track just being a full spec, um, you know, something that they're probably more practicing on too, that familiar with. So hopefully the racing's better. Hopefully it gives everybody a bit better chance to, you know, show what they've got. I'm, I'm hoping there's a few different combinations that they can get through different rhythms and stuff as well to make it, Real racing, do you know what I mean? Like it just hasn't. I don't think that opening round gave everybody an accurate view of where they're going to be in the series. Yourself in particular, like eleventh yeah. in in the and the overall doesn't fit where I think you should have probably finished if we're on a full size full size track. Oh, hundred percent, no doubt, no doubt. So, like I said, I'm very excited to redeem myself, and um, yeah, it's one of those stadiums that I'm really looking forward to getting back to. So, there's a lot of a lot of good things heading into the next round. And um, yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm just ready there to prove what I'm capable of doing. Now with these, obviously we only got a couple of rounds left. We only had three rounds to begin with and two, two to go. Yeah. It's not a massive season, but 
that final round at Melbourne last year, I think you got the call up for a wild card as well for the World Supercross side of things um, when that occurred last year. Is anything like that in the cards for you or is that not really happening at this stage and, or you don't know until the last minute with that wild card situation? Yeah, at the moment. So um, that, that kind of got organised a little bit after the final round of the MX Nationals. So that kind of got um, was in the works for a little while. Obviously, we had to, to work out our FIM licences yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah. they, they gave us a bit of time. So at the moment, I don't think anything like that is going to happen. I think it's um, mostly just the the um, the guys that are on the teams and stuff like that. But if there is a last-minute call and someone needs me, I'll, I'll definitely say yes because, um, obviously, it'd be cool to, to race on the, you know, the world stage again and, and um, you know, obviously back in, in front of the home fans and all that stuff. So if the opportunity is there, I'll snap it up. Um, but yeah, we we'll just have to wait and see. But at the moment, there's definitely nothing in the works. So mm, um, just full focus on the uh, the Australian Supercross. Was it worth it last year when you did it from those that wildcard fill-in bit for for you? Like, did you it one learn something, or did it you know expose you to some some other people coming up and trying to give you support or anything useful happen from it? Uh, not not necessarily nothing like that. I think it was just cool to be able to. Uh, to try race against those guys that are, you know, world-class racers and stuff like that. So um, just uh, they just showed how much intensity they ride with and um, they, they aren't scared to shove it in, in the inside <laughs> of you. So just, uh, I guess, just a bit of race craft and all that stuff to uh, see what I need to work on for myself is, is what I kind of got out of it. But, yeah, it was just cool to, to mix it up with them guys and, um, and, and just give it my, give my all. Yeah, definitely. So week to week for yourself, mate. Back in the in the training grind, you said you mentioned you're training with Ford Dale there. Um, yep. What sort of program? Like, how often are we on the bike? Are we? How often are we doing? You know, gym or cycling or whatever it is that you're doing for cardio work. Like, give us an idea of what's the week looking for, like for you. You know, coming up this next week and you know heading towards a, uh, heading towards the round at Newcastle. So uh, we, we usually do three, four days on the bike, you know, just depending on, on the week and um, weather and all that stuff. But, yeah, usually three or four days. Um, and at the moment, honestly, since um, we started riding Supercross, I've had um, a very bad lower back pain. And I haven't actually been able to do uh, much off-bike training whatsoever. You know, I've been able to do a little bit of swimming, but um, I haven't been able to do any gym work, any cycling, any running. So no no high impact stuff. So um, yeah, that's, that sucks because I, I, I love the grind and working hard and all that stuff. But yeah, I've been very limited to what I can do throughout this Supercross season. Uh, but in saying that, it's, it's been nice. It's given my body a little bit of a, a rest and I can come into those practice states feeling really fresh and putting all my time and effort in, into those riding days and, and getting everything I can out of that. Um, but yeah, the, the off-bike training things have been very limited throughout this whole Supercross season. As I said, I've been able to do a little bit of swimming um, and very minimal core work, and that's that's all I've been able to do. So, um, yeah, it hasn't been super ideal, but like I said, I've been able to put all my energy into my riding, which is, um, I feel like, been a little bit more beneficial too. Yeah, that's interesting. You actually you're touching into something. So normally, uh, I don't know if you realise, like on this podcast here, we sort of focus in on the injuries and the training a little bit. My background is actually as a physiotherapist. So when you say that you've had yep. something like that, my ears perk up, and I'm like, oh, hold on, what's what's he dealing with? You know, like obviously yep. this has been going on for a little while, but like, uh, are yep. you are you seeking then treatment and stuff as well between between rounds, trying to make sure that you're you know getting yourself back to a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I've been been trying to do what I can. Um, I've seen physios and all that stuff, and 
doing what I can to um, to get better and get back into training off the bike. But unfortunately, just nothing has been helping at the moment. I need, I still need to go and, and search more to find out what the uh, the, the issue is. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's not not an ideal situation. But um, yeah, I just been uh, doing what I can on on the bike, and then just very little off bike training. Like I said, swimming and core work, just very low impact stuff. So and it's and, not uh, impacting the uh, the ride time by the sounds of that, Dan, which is a little bit interesting. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's. I think when when you put your helmet on, the the adrenaline starts going, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and and you're, and you're focusing on on riding. You know, like there's there's no time for focusing on other stuff while you're riding supercross because uh, you slip up a little bit and and it can bite you in the butt. So <laughs> yeah, when I'm riding, there's there's no focus on it. Just um, yeah, switch off and focus on what's ahead and and each obstacle in front of me. But um, yeah, once. Once I'm off the bike, I'm I'm in a little bit of pain, but um, is what it is, and hmm. and uh, just just keep working forward, I guess. Yeah, look, it's interesting the insights you get sometimes when you you ask a question, and you're not always never sure where it's going to end up. But yeah, I'm sure the listeners will love to hear that. You know, you're working through these things because it, it just makes adds to the storyline, and I'm sure somebody will then ask you about how you're coping on a race day or something when they when they're walking past in the pits. So yeah, no, look, appreciate yep. you sharing that stuff with us here. But um, no, look. It's 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 one of the it's part of sports, isn't it? Any sport you've got to manage through some sort of niggling injury at some point. You're never 110 percent always, um, so it's just part of life, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know I'm, I'm sure many many people and probably people I'm racing right now are going through their own little stuff and niggly injuries and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate it's part of any sport and sometimes just day to day life. You know, you don't have to be an athlete to, to go through a little niggling injury these days. So um, yeah, it is what it is. You just got to do what you what you can to um, to help it and just keep moving forward. You know, if like I said, I, I've taken taken off my off bike training and just um you know trying to help it that way and then just focusing on my riding and all that stuff so just doing what i can and um obviously like i said i'm, I'm able to put all my my energy in the riding and stuff like that so i'm still still really fit i'm i can still do all my motors and stuff like that so it hasn't um hasn't you know affect any of that in in any way um but i, I just like working hard and knowing i put in the work and, and that's the uh, the only thing at the moment but uh yeah like i said i'm still still fit and and whatnot and and the riding is going really well no, oh, that's good to hear, man. At least, at least you're getting that start still sorted and and done well. So yeah, it's not obviously yeah. impacting you that much, which is yeah, good to hear. No, yeah. awesome, man. Look, it's nice to check in with you. Thanks for your time here on the Always Moto Podcast. We hope for a much better round two for you and get to show those skills that you've been working on. Um, and ideally, we'll be um, we'll get uh, get to talk to you just after that, and hopefully, you can uh, tell us how the podium felt or something like that. Yeah, that's it, man. That's the plan. I'd uh, I'd love to be able to, to come on again and have a chat when I've got some really good news. And um, you know, I, I'm coming off the podium and taste some champagne. So <laughs> hopefully that that happens within the next two rounds. And um, yeah, we'll we'll have a really good chat after that. Yeah, definitely. Now, look, man. Thanks for the time on the Always Moto Podcast, brought to you by Leap Moto Australia. And we'll uh, talk to you soon, Reese. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, hope everyone enjoys the podcast. What's up, guys? I'm Colin Park, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast, brought to you by Lee at Moto Australia. Now, that was an awesome interview with Reese Budd. Uh, nice to catch up with another Aussie in the Aussie series and see what's going on there. 
obviously with him, the Sherco, um, the Sherco, the Serco, got Sherco on the mind. I've been riding Sherco this afternoon before we hit record on this practice some Enduro stuff myself. But the Serco Yamaha that Reese Bud rides is also probably pretty good as well. Um, so now looking forward to yeah seeing how he goes at round two. Actually, since we've done that interview and obviously he chatted about a little bit about that back injury there, I've been helping him a bit direct, which is awesome, trying to give him some exercises to get through and improve that situation, which is pretty cool to be able to do that. Um, you know, we had a little chat post-interview, so that was awesome. Um, not sure too, actually, but he might be at this upcoming launch that we're going to be going to. Um, so as part of the things that I do with fullnoise.com.au, I managed to get an invite to the Yamaha, I believe it's the YZ250F, I think it is that they're doing, but there's a Yamaha release, I'm pretty sure it's the 250F. Um, the new bike model release that they're doing, they're going to have a ride day at Gympie. Um, I should be doing that next early next week, uh, so looking forward to that, but we might see those guys up there, I'm not sure, I'll have to check with Reese actually. I'm just thinking of that. So, yeah, we'll have some content on a Yamaha launch hopefully next week uh, to talk about on the show as well as, you know, any last-minute news heading into that round two of World Supercross. So, yeah, some interesting things coming up in the near future on the Always Moto podcast. Now, don't forget, send us those T-shirt orders, um, info at alwaysmoto.com to send through your order. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury and moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. Make sure you leave us a rating if that app allows to as well. Uh, and like we just said, check out stuff on fullnoise.com.au. Um, we'll have some additional stuff coming here on alwaysmoto.com shortly as well. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Elite Moto Australia, Competitive Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to Always Motor Contractor. Thanks to Blair for the, well, babble, I think. We'll figure out that name shortly. Uh, and thanks for you to, to you guys and girls out there for listening. Now, remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in the emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks.